want to invite you to grab your Bibles. I want to invite you to open your phones to a Bible app if you have one, and I want to invite you to stand for the reading of Scriptures today. We're going to be reading Psalm 23. We're going to be reading 1 Samuel 16. So we're going to start with Psalm 23. Some of you won't even need to probably open your Bible to recite this one, but uh, we're going to read it together today as one of our texts. So Psalm 23. I'm reading from the New Translation Version. So if you've got an app or you're using BibleGateway.com or something and you want to set the translation to read along, New Living Translation is what the reading is in today. So this is the Word of God. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd and I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings, and surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, Psalm 23 is a psalm so many of us will know, but there are these images that David the psalmist is using. He's pulling images that were just everyday images, and one of the images I want to just draw our attention to there is in verse 5. You honor me by anointing my head with Oil. Now, this is a real-life moment for David, and we're going to go to 1 Samuel. That's our second reading this morning, so pull your Bible back to 1 Samuel verse 16, chapter 16. Sorry, We're just going to read a few verses out of this, when David literally was anointed with oil. This is the text today as well. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul, and I have rejected him as the king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Well, take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel said. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come to, with me to the sacrifice. And then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice too. And when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, and he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, uh, yeah, let's go with that, to step forward. I practiced this this morning and everything. Uh, I'm just speaking in tongues. Um, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. And next, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. And in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, 
are these all the sons that you have? Well, there is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. And so, as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And Samuel returned to Ramah. This is the Word of God. Grab a seat. We've been looking at physical means that convey a spiritual reality. Bread, wine, water, and today we're looking at oil. We've been looking at these physical means that convey to us spiritual realities. As we looked at the bread and the wine, the spiritual reality it's trying to get us to awaken to and to see and to experience is Christ's body and Christ's blood. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And we talk about baptism going under the water and coming out of the water. We're talking about Christ's death and Christ's resurrection. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And these are the big moments, the big story that they're trying to invite us into because we are storied creatures. Stories frame reality for us. These are the stories that these things are doing. As we take communion or as we're baptized, we experience the hospitality of God, the provision of God, the forgiveness of God, the sustenance of God. We experience the mission of God. We, we are immersed into the gospel. That is what is going on as we experience those things. And so today, what I want to do is I want to ask the last question of the series is, well, what's the deal with oil? If it is a physical thing conveying a spiritual means, what is it? Let's talk about that today. To start with, though, before we start talking about it and just unpacking a little bit more, I want to frame it up with a little bit of a few stories. Because disclaimer, of all of the sacraments that we are using in this series, this one is my, um, this is my amateur hour moment. When we speak on things in church, sometimes we speak on things with loads of experience and loads of knowledge that has been built up over many, many, many years. Talking about communion a few weeks ago, that was so easy for me because that journey has been well formed. We have been walking that journey for quite a long time. Talking about baptism, baptism was easy because that one, again, well formed. I know that one really well. We've done that one really well. This one, when it comes to oil, this one is a little bit of a, well, it's not a pastoring technique that I've really used very often. And so I feel like what happens is sometimes we do talks and we're talking about the things, explaining the things where we've been. And sometimes we're actually talking to the future and talking about some place we need to go. And I feel like this is one of those moments today. Today is a moment of talking about a place we need to go together. And there's a reason why it is one of my less used pastoral techniques. I want to share with you a, a, short, a short story from my childhood. Um, firstly, do, do you know when you go to your car park in a shopping mall and um, someone has ad-bombed you and put a flyer underneath your windscreen wiper? You know, like, hey, butter chicken and naan for $12 today at this, at this Indian place. And they put it under your thing and you're like, dad, stupid ad bomb. We had, in my church as a kid, a newsletter table, not a notice board, an entire table committed to newsletters and flyers and brochures. This is before the internet's really taken off. So you didn't have Facebook pages and you didn't have all that sort of stuff. You had a whole table 
of flyers. And we had a guy who kept ad-bombing our newsletter table. And he was ad-bombing it with these terrible photocopies of these horrific catalog pages of buying holy water and shofars and holy oil from Jerusalem. And I remember reading them one day while I was waiting for my parents to finish in church. I picked up this, this tacky-looking you know, like photocopied, black and white, like this doesn't fit with all these nice looking flyers. What is this? And I'm reading it. And it's like, buy this oil and you will receive your healing immediately. And I remember reading it and instead of seeing it as a real sacred object, instead a cynicism grew on my heart. And instead, this, this flyer communicated to me something different. What it communicated to me was this looked more like those infomercials that I've seen on TV trying to flog off some sort of scam. It looked more like, um, you know, I don't know, Thin Lizzy or a gym equipment kind of testimonial than it did some sort of legitimate sacred object that I should be blown away by. And then my dad, he used to periodically clean up this newsletter table. He used to go along and get rid of all the old ones that were out of date. And one day I watched him and he found all these photo, these um, ad-bombed flyers and he just sort of gathered them all up grumpily and was like, oh, what are these doing here? And he put them in the pile of stuff that he was getting rid of and he threw them out. And I think that that moment, when I track back to that moment of my story, I realized that was a moment when I started to realize that that stuff there, that stuff needs to be thrown out of my faith. It's not important. Get rid of it. But then, then there was this other mysterious thing that used to happen. We had the newsletter table, a whole table committed to newsletters. And then we also used to have at the front this little like rolling cabinet, which had a big drawer at the bottom and a little drawer at the top. And it used to have this thing called an overhead projector sitting on top. <laughs> Some of you are nodding at me. And if you were the lucky and anointed youth that day, you had the job of pulling out the transparencies and laying them on so that everyone could sing O Ancient of Days with you that morning. <laughs> and the real hard outs used to get a pen and they used to follow along for you to show you, kind of like karaoke. So we had this overhead projector that used to sit at the front of the church and it used to sit on this cabinet. Same sort of time as this newsletter table that's at the back of the room. And in the top drawer of that cabinet, it kind of became like the third drawer of your kitchen where you sort of throw stuff that's not needed so often. And in that drawer was this little blue bottle. There wasn't a sticker on it. There wasn't a label on it. There was nothing. It was just this little blue bottle. And I can remember sitting behind the OHP as my dad would lead ministry times and pray for people. And he would call people forward to be prayed for. And some of them, you know, they weren't sort of big and explosive things. They were just simple things, four or five people at a time. I watched every now and then as my dad would come to the overhead projector table. He'd make me move my knees. He'd grab it out of the drawer. He'd grab that little blue bottle and he'd walk over to that person he was praying for. And he'd just put a little dab on and he'd just anoint them. And I just watched as that person would then just proceed to cry and God's spirit would be mightily at work. I watched, heal I watched healings literally happen in front of my very eyes. I watched kids that had closed up glue ear with their ears suddenly would be opened and healed by the next day. Just I watched the most miraculous things and this little mysterious blue bottle seemed to always accompany it. It's amazing. So I've got this newsletter table at the back full of these scam-looking infomercial newsletters. And then I've got this mysterious little blue bottle sitting underneath the overhead projector. I have 
a bit of a love-hate relationship when it comes to thinking about anointing oil because of those two things. I have those two things. And those experiences that I saw as a kid didn't end then either. You know, the text today that we read said David was anointed with oil and the Holy Spirit came upon him. James 5.14 actually says, if you are unwell, you should go to the elders of the church and they will anoint you with oil and pray for you to be well. I've had experiences in the last couple of years of my life where even after just sort of putting all that stuff away and being like, it's not important. I have this supervisor. His name is Peter. And Peter prays for me every time I visit him. And I can remember early on when I was first talking to him about planting this church and we were talking about it and discerning it and trying to figure out what God was saying. This is many years ago. And that's about seven years ago. He took out that little bottle that he had, very similar to the one that my dad had. He said, I think I need to anoint you for this. And he anointed me. And I sat literally for minutes just with the sense of the presence of God close to me. It was one of the most rich and beautiful times I've had with God in a long time. My other times that would be on the same par of that would be like really epic worship with like a heap of people going for it. Like it was kind of like that. But it was just me sitting in his study with some oil on my head. And I could sense God and God was so tangible and manifested and real that it was unbelievable. What is with this oil? We came back from New Year's and we got back together as a staff team. And Ella Monaghan, now Ella O, she comes back and she tells us that during the New Year's break, she actually um, visited a friend's church. And we're like, you know, you're contractually not allowed to do that. Um, no, we didn't say that. Um, she visited a friend's church. And it was uh, during a ministry time there that one of the people was saying, hey, this thing God wants to do some healing this morning. So, so come forward and be prayed for. And Ella has actually, for quite a few years, had a really bad knee. And uh, she'd, she'd tell the story herself, but she was, she'll be at the 11, not here at the 9, so I'm telling it for her. Um, she's had a really bad knee for quite a few years, and it was an agony. And so she just felt God nudging her, like, I want to heal that today. And she's like, no, 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 no. So she waited and waited and waited until it was kind of like the coast was clear, and she went up finally near the end, and the person prayed for her and put oil on her knee. And she came to work for the first day that next, that next Monday, bounded up those stairs to the top of community house to tell us all about it. Now, it's not completely, completely, completely healed. She, and she would say that, and I want to confess that too. There's still a mystery going on. But from, a, from not being able to literally walk on it as she walked into church, she could now bound up the hill the next day. What's up with that oil? What is going on in that moment? Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with oil, what it actually signifies, what's going on here. Firstly, Last two weeks ago, not last week, but two weeks ago, we spoke about water. And as we spoke about water, we talked about the fact that Israel lived in a context where there was not much. So because of the lack of it, it was such a gift to them. Well, oil is the exact opposite. Oil, there was actually an abundance of oil. Palestine is a great place to be growing some olive trees. It is perfect olive tree growing conditions. So oil is actually all through the Israelite story. Ancient Palestine was perfect tree growing conditions. Olive oil was one of their main trading goods as a result of that. And as a result of that, it was actually what Solomon used to fund most of the building of the temple. It actually was the cash flow for that. Um, it was used then in the temple to consecrate things that needed to be made holy. It was used to consecrate um, their offerings to God. It was used as an offering to God. It was anointing, it, they anointed kings, like we heard about um, uh, Samuel anointing David. He'd also anointed Saul earlier as well. Um, it was this, this, this tactile thing that they used to show consecration and anointing. 
Practically, it was also used for cooking. It was used on their skin. It was a good thing for the health of their skin. Uh, it, was, it was also used to fuel their lamps. You know, this is a post. This is a pre-electric period, and this is how that they could see was these little lamps that would be fueled by olive oil with a little wick in the end. And so, if we just use our little continuum we've been using the last couple of weeks, the matter that we're talking about today is oil. And the metaphor, what is going on here as we think about the way that the people of God looked at it, was the metaphor was, it was a rich metaphor for God's spirit at work. God's spirit. It's a metaphor that represented God at work. Remember Samuel's text, uh, the Samuel text about David, when he was anointed, the next thing that it followed up with, and the Holy Spirit was richly upon David. That's the metaphor that's being applied here. So, so yes, he's been anointed physically with oil, and then the next line, and the Holy Spirit was richly upon him. God's Spirit is the anointer. God's Spirit becomes the mediator. God's Spirit is the source of light and life itself. And so today, as we think about this, oil, matter, and God's Spirit, the spiritual, we are colliding sacramentology with pneumatology. Now, those are just some geeky theological words to say this. Sacramentology is just what we think about when we think about sacraments. Whenever you see that ology thrown on the end of stuff, it's just saying, what are you thinking about? What's the structure and the system behind what you mean with those things? So sacramentology, this whole series has been an endeavor in sacramentology. We're trying to thicken up what we think about the sacraments. And here today, it collides with pneumatology, what we think about the Holy Spirit. Pneumatology is our theology of the Spirit. And to be honest, can I just be quick to confess, I probably need like, I need a good 10 weeks of the series to really do this thing justice. But today I'm just going to give a little crack at just, just a little highlight and a couple of thoughts in regards to the Holy Spirit when it comes to oil and healing and anointing. So let's bring it into the New Testament context for a second. In Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 10, you have this beautiful moment of the story where the people of God has, has, have become the expanded people of God and the Gentiles are now being welcomed into the family. And we have the story where Peter and Cornelius and the Gentiles are, are encountering each other and the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 10, there's this little moment where, where Peter preaches to Cornelius and the people in his home. And he says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how, and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Here's this imagery again. Here's this see the first century audience listening to this would have completely got what was going on as Peter said that. Acts 10, 44 to 45, a little bit later, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. And circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now, I just want you to notice the language. Please notice the language in these texts today. The Holy Spirit is being likened that to anointing oil. The image that the people, of listening, the, the people listening to this would have seen, they would have got it so well, they immediately would have clicked into what's going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just like the anointing oil in our culture has been put upon things to consecrate them as holy, so is happening here. The Holy Spirit, it's coming. It's coming to, to do that work. It's doing that work with us. It's doing that work with these people. A first century audience would have immediately recognize that the language of the Holy Spirit being likened to that of oil, it's a rich metaphor for them. They would have understood it completely and got it. 
They would have also known that the opposite of that would have been true. The opposite being that if they weren't covered, then they weren't anointed. Because it's important to just note, anointing is something on someone. Now, Gab, Jimmy, and myself, every Friday, we practice Sabbath. I talked about this last year. We take a day to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. And it's one of the best days of the week. And on Thursday night, due to um, a few situations in our family at the moment, we are taking Thursday night to have a family dinner every Thursday. So every Thursday night, we go over to my in-law's house, and my sister-in-law and her husband come and join us. And together, as three households, we cook a big meal together to finish what is our week. And they still have to go to work on Friday, but, but we, we get to start Sabbath that way. It's very special for us. So there's a mains, a side, and a dessert, and one of us takes whichever one, and we put together this beautiful feast. We cook it every Thursday night. And a couple of weeks ago, it was my turn, and I was on mains. And uh, we had a roast venison in the freezer that I grabbed out that was kindly given to us by one of our hunters here in our community. Shout out to Mike, if Mike is even here. Is that? Yeah, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A thousand thank yous. And so... As, we, as it was defrosting for a few days beforehand, I started looking up recipes. I started getting my head around what I was going to do with this big cut of meat. And every YouTube video I watched, every blog I read, every recipe I found all had the same thing to say. Venison is incredibly lean. And because it's so lean, you will dry it out very quickly. So you must keep the oils up. You must keep basting it in oil. You must keep pouring oil over it while you're cooking this thing, or you will have an incredibly dry piece of meat by the end of this. And so for the family dinner that night, I took this hunk of meat around that I'd been sort of marinating, getting ready, and I got, I got it on my father-in-law's Weber, and I stood there with like olive oil in one hand and a stick of butter in the other, and I'd just be like, pour, rub, lid down. Pour, rub, lid down just covering this thing in oil. Why? Because it needs it. It's so lean that without it, it dries up and it is missing something. And it's my observation of anointing that's often that there's a misconception or an error that we make when we're talking about this topic. And the, the error is this. We think someone's anointed. We, we call them anointed because of what they're doing, which is often in their own strength. Often, it's something of their own selves. Something, it's, their, it's their talent. They're just really good at that thing. They're really gifted in that thing. Often it's their charisma because they're charismatic. They're confident and energetic and extroverted. And we look at those people and we say, wow, they are so anointed. They are so anointed. But that is not anointing. Anointing is not what is in of itself. Anointing is what is applied. Anointing is when there is oil all over something that needs it a covering of something that the thing in itself does not have. We, we are spiritually lean creations. We are spiritually lean. And the Holy Spirit has been given to be poured out to juice us up a bit. Rich Velodas says this, to say that someone is anointed is not a testament to their ability, but to God's empowerment. An anointed person is impotent without God. 
That was on his Instagram a couple of weeks ago. I screenshot that and was like, I have to talk about anointing. That's a good one. To say that someone is anointed is not a testament to their ability. Gosh, I'm no... People say this to me sometimes, like, I was so anointed today. Why? Because I did a good job? No, that's not anointing. No, anointing is because you saw something on me that was alive, that was beyond me. The Spirit of God. And I see anointing on all of you so many times. I saw anointing on our worship today. I turned to Riley afterwards, eh? we turned to each other like, that was a good one today. <laughs> you know, the wiped tears off my eyes. That's anointing. The guys today, as they led in Chelsea, like they, they, they couldn't have just done that in themselves. They could do it in themselves, to be honest, actually. But that's not what makes the magic happen. The magic's when the Holy Spirit shows up and moves and covers us. We must not get our definition of charismatic wrong, or none of this will make sense. Charismatic is not just the loud, extroverted person who's got it all together with the mic in their hands. No, charismatic is charis. It's a word, and this is how it works. The anointing is a gift. The gift is the charis of God. This is the word, this is the Greek word for gift. And charis is also the word for grace. When we say charismatic, we're not saying someone who's just got all the energy and all the goods. We're saying someone who is covered in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Charismatic is someone who's covered in the grace of God receiving the gifts of His grace and operating in those freely. All of this could just be said another way. It could be said, well, this is what happens when the kingdom of God shows up. This is the breaking in of God's good kingdom. When God's kingdom shows up, these are the things that happens. Because this is what it looks like when the kingdom comes. When the kingdom comes, it breaks in in tangible ways and God's rule shows up, putting to right that, that that's wrong. And that's what's going on with healing. When, when healing shows up in our lives, when it bursts in when we pray for someone, it's not because we're the ones doing the healing. It's because the kingdom has come. Ella's knee, it didn't show up just because someone put some oil on it. That made her go forward for the prayer. What happened was the kingdom came. When I sat in Peter's room that day and he prayed for me and he put oil on my head, the oil, there's nothing significant about the oil. It was nothing special. What happened was the kingdom came. And if I hadn't sat there and let that moment happen, the kingdom might not have come. Just like when we come to the table and we remind ourselves of Christ's death and resurrection through baptism, when we do those things, it puts us into the space. So it is with oil. It has to be poured out into our lives. The kingdom is like the new oil poured out by the Spirit. And it's a gift. It's the kingdom work. The kingdom of God comes in this kind of way. And like it said in that text today about Jesus, it comes in the ways where the sick are healed and the, de the demons flee. This is the inbreaking, all things new kind of kingdom. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. And the Spirit is the healing oil for the broken and hurting world. And doesn't our world need that right now? Isn't our world lean? Isn't our world so lean? And doesn't it need the Spirit of God? All of those stories I started with today was just to build the case for this. It is just the means to an end. The end is the kingdom of God. The end is the kingdom breaking in. We have been saying these last couple of weeks with the sacramental uh, uh, series that these are the physical means for us to awaken to spiritual realities. And so for us, sacrament is a space for the kingdom to be at work. That's what all of this could be summed up as. It's a space for the kingdom to come. It's a space for God's spirit to work. 
It's a space for Christ to be made more famous in our hearts. And so the physical things, they're not snake oil. They're not like that little voucher, that little flyer that annoyed me so much as a kid. In fact, it's so wrong when it gets put in that way. They're not meant to be sort of hocked off that this is some special thing and if you use this, it will work. No, it's not. It's not a silver bullet either. We are the seek first of the kingdom people. And the bread, the wine, the water, and the oil, they are all drawing us to experience a truth. And that is this. The kingdom of God is at hand. Turn and see. And so with the oil, we experience the spirit who wants to empower us to live that way. Turn us into that way. Empower us in that way. Equip us for that way because we cannot go under our own strength. And we receive the gift that has been given. And we receive it every day until all things are made new. Today's benediction is may you be anointed by the Spirit that is making all things new. May you be anointed in that Spirit. Whether you come and get some oil or not, may you experience that God. And so, to finish today, we wanted to allow a fair bit of time for this because we felt it was going to be really important today. Today, we're going to finish our sacramental series by responding to God. A little history here. When our church was first planted, for that first year of being a church plant publicly meeting, we used to run our church gatherings through a little grid. We used to worship, we used to connect, we used to teach, we used to respond. And for the last four or five years, or four years, due to... Um, especially being at a school where if we were half an hour over our booking, it cost us $120. It actually kind of took the energy out of that responding to God factor. And we used to hurry our way through a fair bit because we didn't want to pay the $120. And today I want to repent of that. And I want to confess and say that was so wrong because what we were doing is robbing us as a community of time to respond to God properly. And today what we want to do is we want to put that back into our DNA a little bit more again. We want to allow some time to respond to God. And here's how we're going to do it. Uh, John's going to come up. So John, where are you come, bro? John's going to come, and he's just going to start playing. It's nothing magic. It's just so that we can um, ignore the drummer who's practicing below us. And this morning, this morning, um, after I finished prepping my talk, I got up um, from the table. I uh, went out down to our garden. We have a garden down off the veranda of our house. And Gab has been growing a heap of lavender. And I grabbed a bunch of lavender and I took it upstairs and I put it into my pestle and water and I ground it down a bit. And I poured a heap of really nice olive oil all over it. And I've made a homebrew <laughs> of healing oil. So there's no, this isn't the, Shelly has the stuff from Jerusalem. I don't, I can't afford it. You know, I'm, I'm just making my own. And here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We have communion all around the room. We're going to take communion together. And that could just be it for you. That's fine. You could just take communion, sit down, just have a few minutes of, of silence and calm and gentleness with God. Or if you want to, you can come here towards the middle and I'll just be waiting and some of the other leaders of our community are waiting. And if you want prayer for anything, we would love to pray for you. We'd just love to pray with you today bless you and lastly is um my oil <laughs> if you feel like 
you just need a moment to be anointed with oil. A moment that wakes you back up to the Holy Spirit. A moment that just says to you and between you and God, yep, that's who covers me. Um, you got two options. You can either come and find me or someone in this community that's um, a leader that you would recognize. Or we're the priesthood of all believers. You could come with a friend. And uh, here's the oil. And there's just a shrub of um, lavender here. Just pick the shrub up. Dip your finger under the end and get a little couple of drips. You don't need much. And, and, and bless the person opposite you. Just, just cross their head with the oil. And just say a simple benediction over them. A, a prayer that's been prayed for 2,000 years in the church. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. You don't have to have any more words than that. Just come Holy Spirit. I was thinking this morning as I was preparing for this, and um, I really wanted to confess that we'd stuffed that one up for the last couple of years. I really wanted to confess that. And I wanted to make today a bit of a confession action to say, I'm sorry that we would cut off a time to meet with God because of a booking in a hall. But I felt like there was another sort of sense today too. And that is for some of us, we may feel like we've just completely turned the tap off when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the mess that He wants to make in our lives. And today, you coming and just being anointed with some oil simply. Yeah, it's a bit weird, eh? But we've been saying that for the last couple of weeks. This is weird. All of these things, sacraments are weird unless they're in the context of church. But in that moment, you might be just saying your own confession and saying, this is who covers me. I'm done trying to cover myself. He covers me. So stand. Here too. We're going to start with the communion table and just make your way around. If you want to come here first and be prayed for, feel free. We're going to take our time. John's just going to lead a beautiful little refrain that he's written for this moment. And uh, we're not going to sing along or anything. It's just going to be words that wash over us. But together, let's pray together. Together, let's seek God together. Let's be encouraging with one another. We're the body of Christ. And uh, all of you are just as anointed as me to do this moment. It's not on me. It's on all of us. So let's step into it together. God, we make our hearts open and available to you. We ask that our minds would be open to you, that our eyes would see, that our ears would hear, because they are gifts from you. And God, with our action of our bodies now, together as a whanau, we commit ourselves again to the ways of your kingdom. We eat and drink of the meal to immerse us and remind us that you are the God who has provided. You are the God who has made a way. You are the God who has, who has, who has uh, forgiven sins. You are the God who has invited us to resurrection life and new life. And you are the God who sends us out into the city to be the hands and feet of the kingdom of God. So God, cover us today. Fuel us today. Spirit of God, equip us and empower us today. Lord, if we need healing in our bodies, Lord, let your kingdom come. Lord, if we need calming in our spirit and our soul, Lord, let your kingdom come. If we need peace from anxiety, Lord, let your kingdom come. You are the gift-giving God. And today we celebrate the greatest gifts of your life. You have given us your spirit. So come.
This is the table, not of the church, but it's the table of Jesus Christ. And it is made ready for those who love God. It is made ready for those who want to love Him more. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here for a long time or ever before. You who have tried to follow and all of us who have failed. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So come, not because this church invites you. Come because it's Christ Himself who invites you to be fed and known and nourished here. Come to the table, everybody. There's stations in each corner. There's gluten-free crackers for gluten-free people. And if you would like to receive prayer, just come to the middle. And that's us for the next little while. We're just going to let this happen. Going to let it happen. Be respectful of it. We'll see what God's doing in our midst. And uh, when it when it lands, it lands. You'll know it. Enjoy it. Come to the table.